It's time for us to present something to you that we feel strongly about. Tick, 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 I must come down Can't get the bells to stop ringing I told you once, baby I told you once, but I know To the dance floor Hey, yeah I love it just like you love it That's why you're here I'm here because I love to play You don't come, I can't play And I love to play So Watch your bass spin, spin, spin Hello and welcome to another episode of the Basebin Podcast and you're with the Basebin DJs. In this episode, we're going to be breaking down a chat with legendary powerhouse production duo from Adelaide, better known as VOE. We're going to be chatting about what it's like being signed to one of the premier labels in the genre, in addition to what their fans can expect as they get set for their first European tour. Thanks for lonely company. Keep your stories to yourself. Tom and Caroline, welcome to the Bassbin Podcast. And can you please tell us how the hell two drum and bass producers and vocalists found each other in the city of churches? We were both working in the same radio station doing a local radio show. I was doing it first and then... Um, so it was basically Adelaide local radio station, the electronic radio station, radio station. And we were getting people in and just showcasing local music. Um, including drum and bass, but at that point the focus wasn't just drum and bass, that was just my goal. Um, but anyway, I went on holiday for about two weeks and got a letter while we are on holiday saying um, you've given your show off to someone else. It was me! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so at the time it was just like, oh, what? Who's taking my show? Who is this person? Yeah, I had a no bit idea. Of like, Caroline's just been like, oh, there's a show available, do you want this? So completely like separate. Initially, I went in all a bit salty, and then I got a message from the person running that show that happened to be Caroline, saying like, "Oh, I've found your music in the um, in the portal, and we're, I, I really like it. Would love to get you in for an interview." Rocked up, all kind of salty, thinking like, "Who's this person?" And then, anyway, had a really good interview, and from there we got chatting. And part of my interview was me complaining as a, a young like producer, saying like, "There's no vocalist in Adelaide. Like, <laughs> usually just pretty much just out of my own like." being too shy to just actually email or message someone and look for them. Yeah, but, um, and I've just kind of hunted you down. So, like, I uh, hadn't heard of the show that I was offered before it was given to me, and I just thought it was an open slot that I was taking on. So I was going through the music I'd been listening to, and Tevlo, which was Tom before we were VOE, um, was an artist that I really liked. I loved the tracks. I loved his vocals. Um, so I just, like, fangirled and was like, you've got to come into my show. I'd love to chat with you. And I just thought he was like kind of shy, maybe a little rude. I didn't know the backstory and I didn't know until like maybe a year into us working together that there was a whole other side to us actually meeting. Um, but yeah, in, in that first conversation that we had of Tom saying that he couldn't find vocalists, I basically um, pitched myself pretty hard and was like, ah, ah, 
I do black hole. So he reluctantly gave me a shot, but that first track that we did um, was a tune called Armour. Um, we wrote it really quickly. I loved Tom's processing on my vocals. He just got what I was going for. And I, I feel like sometimes as a vocalist, when you're working with different people, sometimes you push your vocals out and they just do different things with it, but it's not exactly maybe what you have in mind. So it was really a unique experience for me working with Tom and him already knowing what I was trying to go for with my vocals. Well, now that we got to the bottom of how the two of you have come together, your musicality and your strength as producers, vocalists, performers has definitely come from somewhere. Can you give us a little bit of background on where you draw inspiration from and how you've gotten to where you are now in terms of your music backgrounds as well? I think the biggest thing that's kind of influenced what we do now is that throughout that whole thing I kept playing piano and I went on to do like some jazz even, like just doing a variety of piano stuff and a lot more acoustic stuff, which I think I've always loved having that kind of organic instrument in my music. Like that kind of feeling of the writing stuff on a piano before I take it to um, to the computer and make it an electronic thing. And so that's definitely carried on and things you'll hear throughout the music where it sounds more like a song you could sit down with a guitar or a piano and actually like perform the song um, rather than it just being like so much electronic stuff that you'd have to like completely break it apart to work out how to um, play, it, play it like live or organically. So that's a big part for me. Um, yeah, so aside from that, it's just been the like pendulum is a huge influence for myself, as you definitely out here in our music. And then even metal, I got quite into metal for a while and started a metal band. <laughs> Didn't go too far, but still tried. Um, but that's that's carried on an influence as well. And I think just for myself, it's just like I've I've never really like had like this is the genre I like. And I don't like other genres. It's always like. I just go hunting for anything that I like, like any music I can find. Like, yep, I like this one and this one. I just have a playlist of like endless genres throughout it that are all kind of very mixed and matched. But it kind of just, I just like being able to take the little pieces of each genre that I like and bits I hear from songs I like and mash it together to make what kind of has ended up becoming what's in BOE and the production behind it. Well, Tom, that's definitely an insight as to where you've come from, but you're only one side of the story. Caroline, what about you? Where have you drawn your inspiration from in music? I started doing music from like a very young age. My dad um, used to always sing around like family and friends, like barbecues and stuff like that. They'd always pull out the guitar. So I learned from a younger age to play guitar, a little bit of piano. Um, we had a drum kit at home. Um, so I would always write stuff for what I had access to. A lot of it was like, yeah, on guitars and a bit of piano playing open mic night, showing my friends this cool thing I wrote when I was like 15. Um, then going, I guess genre-wise, I was really eclectic. I'd go from Slipknot to Hanson to Led Zeppelin to Evanescence <laughs> and Paramore. So like, especially those big vocal um, female powerhouses, like you've got um, Katie Noonan, Amy Lee, obviously Evanescence, Paramore, and then like listening to all the newer stuff from Coven as well. That's like something that we definitely are inspired by. But yeah, mine was super, super eclectic. And then 
before meeting Tom, like right when I was sort of honing in on what my vocal style was, I was DJing a lot for um, clubs that had main rooms. So it was all like the big room sound, um, which then went from like, uh, yeah, big room into future bass and then trap was the big thing. So I was like writing trap stuff. And then Tom and I met and we started writing, I guess it was sort of future bassy trap things, but he and I both have a really, I think, not nasty, but like we've got a dark side with the music. We come across really lovely and sweet, but then when we're making music, we're like, heavier. <laughs> so there was a moment where he was showing me tracks and he's like, oh, is this too heavy? And I was like, bitch, no, go <laughs> So we'd show, like, obviously we were asking for it. That was like that little bit of taste where we both sort of something clicked and we're like, I think we're like, I really like this music, let's go in this direction. And then from there we had like Spotlight, which was a little bit of a half time. And then we went into Witching Hour, which then went a bit more drum and bass. And I think we just started making the songs that we really loved listening to. And we were like, this would be fun to play live. We should make another like this. Or, you know, I'd write something in the car and Tom would be like, yep, I'm gonna match that energy. Or he'd show me an instrumental and I'm like, bet I'm gonna match that energy. So we just sort of like, not one-upping each other, but we'd see each other and be like, yep, I'll meet you there, let's go harder. And then we'd keep going back and forth like that. And the musicality in a lot of your productions is probably going to fly under the radar just a little bit. Some of the key signatures and the melodies and harmonies that you're using in your productions, because of the style of music that you're writing, might not get the recognition that it deserves. Where are you finding the inspiration and the sort of courage to try out different things in music? I think a lot of that, especially unique key influence, has come from cinematic like scores that I've really loved. And especially, like, because something in cinema, like, where it's just capturing different moods and, uh, yeah, the keys are something, like, even changing keys throughout, like, a score to just to match the mood and whatever's happening in the film is a big part. Just when we write as well, because sometimes, like, we'll do it in different ways where one of us has written vocals before the track's even written and we'll build the, the key around the emotion of the vocals and what we've sort of structured. So there's, yeah, we don't sort of go into it being like, oh, we're going to write in this key today. It's sort of like we'll be jamming or Tom's written something or I've written something and that's what's coming out of the darkness of our minds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And sometimes it is just the same way you would match to like a movie and there's, you have so much more than just the standard kind of Western, mm. like minor and major and just common minor and major keys. The same way sometimes capturing moods in what Caroline writes needs something a bit darker or a bit more unique, I guess, to get the moods because sometimes it's not as simple as just like angry or sad. It's kind of like a... The subtle nuances. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it just, it just feels like more to it and sometimes those <laughs> notes and those particular keys can just fill in that space of like, it is a bit more unknown what the emotion is. It's not really like a clear message or a clear answer. It's like the same way like I think it's mysterious and that's what I really like about mm. playing with those keys well I'm starting to get a much better idea about where you're drawing your influences from how does it work when the two of you get time in the studio together the amount of music that you've created and released in the last two years is very impressive how does it all work when the two of you find each other in the studio a lot of the time it will be that piano 
Um, so Tom will play in a few chords and he'll honestly, he'll just be messing around up and down with the keys. And I'm like, oh, that, that, what did you just do then? And then we'll repeat on that. We'll record maybe like eight, 16 bars. I'm like, yep, got it. In that time as while he's playing, I'm then just writing almost like a stream of consciousness, whatever is coming out at the time. Which there's been a few times where I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was dealing with this. <laughs> In, in songwriting, it's the first thing that comes out <laughs> or the first thoughts and first emotions that you might not want to be um, acknowledging or you didn't realise was happening um, come to the surface very quickly and you're like, oh, okay, this is very interesting that I'm dealing with this situation. So, yeah, we will work on the piano, I'll jump onto vocals and then we'll both have a go. Like sometimes it's, if, if we write something pretty quickly, we'll get onto some harmonies and, and some different ideas, but... Otherwise, a typical session is us literally trying to get some work done and then Tom says, hey, actually, before we start, I've just got an instrumental I want to show you. And I'm like, nah! It's just like a little idea. Like, sometimes it's like, I've just got some chords and like a few notes. I just, it sounds interesting. Just yeah. listen to this before we get started. It's pretty fast-paced as well. Like, when we're working, it's like in the studio, it's definitely like in the moment, we're having the ideas. So we have to get it down as quick as we can before we kind of lose the ideas and the inspiration. Yeah. So I've got a lot of like um, pre-template, pre-set, like pre-set up drums and just stuff to, to aid getting an idea out quickly before it's like the, the mood's lost and the ideas yeah. lost. Yeah. I think I find that really important where it's like I already know the sounds I like and I'll, I'll change them later to match the song better. But in the moment, having it all ready to go and just we can just go like and sing an idea and I'm like, yeah, that's sick. Oh, I've got a lead that will go with that and I can start playing things in and very much as much as I can, like playing by hand because it's just an easier way for myself to translate the ideas from my head or just singing it in as like notes sometimes. Mm -hmm. like, ah, let's just record that on our phone and then I'll translate that into MIDI later. Um, but yeah, just as quick as we can, mashing out the idea. And so a lot of our songs, a lot of the ones that have been released and end up being our favorite ones, we've like, the, the whole idea for the song, from like verse to bridge to chorus, is nearly almost being completely written like half in like, oh, like, like <laughs> an like, hour yeah. or so. Yeah, yeah. But most of the time, as soon as um, if I hear chords, um, I'll start getting the ideas for vocals. Sometimes, like, we have the vocals, like the lyrics mapped out, but not set. So I'll have the melodies and I'll be like mouthing vowels and we'll get a gist of this will sound really good going into an E sound or this will sound good going into an O sound. Um, and we always record our first impressions because I completely forget what I've just done. Like I will completely freestyle. Sometimes I've written some stuff or sometimes I'm like, let me just see what happens. It sounds like the way that you're writing sounds very spontaneous and present. But there's another aspect to what the two of you do, and that's how you integrate performance into your sets or your shows. And they really are more than just a standard drum and bass DJing gig. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you actually prepare your music for performance? Is it something that you're considering from the time that you start writing the music? Or is it something that happens afterwards and you kind of reverse engineer the songs with performance in mind? We avoid trying to think about how this song will sound to other people or where it's going to be or if we've got a plan for it. It's just like... There's no wrong is, answers. Yeah, this is the emotion. This is what sounds right for this song and we're just purely, purely basing it on the inspiration that comes with that. But then when we start thinking about live shows, we come back around and go like, how can we transform this song to suit what we want to show off live? Because 
there's definitely a difference between what you might hear on Spotify and then when you come to a live show, you suddenly like, oh, holy shit, that's, that's a bit heavier than like... Yeah, we've got like, VIP versions um, because some of the songs that we do have, like we're playing a lot of neurofunk and really heavy, heavy drop. Um, and some of our songs don't hit as hectically as we would like live. So, yeah. Missing something. Yeah, so we definitely, we, we curate the sets for what we've got because there is so much going on. Both Tom and I do live vocals. We're both DJing live. We've got keytars. Um, and because what, what we do is we curate, if I'm singing, Tom's DJing, next track he's singing, so I've come back around. He's at the front of the, of the show. So for us, it's more about coordinating um, a really nice flow and what's going to work for the structure of a set and keep people engaged rather than what songs we're going to play. Um, and that's the thing, we have, like, I think, checked the other day, like 46 releases. Um, so we can't even fit most of our tracks. Yeah. In one. We definitely struggle a lot. Like, we've got yeah. a lot of release tracks as well. So our biggest issue with sets is trying to work out which songs to get in there. But I think. We definitely, in terms of like how the production affects the live show, it's definitely like an afterthought of going like, yep, we love this song, we want to play this live. How do we have to alter this or how are we going to make it fit in? Some songs like, say like Left Unsaid or Running Blind, some of our more recent ones, we've, we've found the right balance of like, like, nah, this song just slaps as it is. It's got, a, it's got an epic drop, it's got the melodic moments, it's got the vocal bits. We don't want to alter that. But there's some where we've done like a chilled, say more like, like not thinking straight that we did with Salomic, that one's like, it's a liquid track. So you put it up against our newer stuff and our set and suddenly we're like, oh, <laughs> like, where's the drop? It's, it feels too like, oh, let's, let's chill out now, let's sit down and like enjoy a drink. Like, we're like, no, we want to be moshing and have a guitar solo. Put the table. <laughs> yeah, you know, put our neck a bit out. So like, so that's when we go back and we're like, all right, how can we turn this into something that fits into the energy that we want? So mm. it's definitely like, a separate thing and sometimes hopefully in the long run we'll start releasing some of those VIPs and showing off people here live but we've always enjoyed that it's like you come to our live sets you hear things you wouldn't hear otherwise like it's, it's a kind of a new yeah more of a unique experience that you can't get just in your car by yourself listening on Spotify we want to knock people's socks off flip open a table push their nan down some stairs like we really we want the live shows to make an impact so we definitely yeah that afterthought that Tom was describing is us um, catering for what energy we hope to bring to the shows the live shows aside your music definitely garnered the attention from some pretty heavy hitters in the drum and bass scene can you talk to us a little bit about how the relationship with viper really came about and what it's been like working with such a recognized and established label in the uk one of the big things that we saw when we sent over all of those tunes we're talking like 30 35 tracks they were listening to the playlist that we sent them on SoundCloud every day. We were watching the plays go up. We could see how determined they were to give us the chance and to see what we were about. And we really appreciated the time and energy that they put into figuring out, like, all right, we want you in Viper. Let's see what's going to fit, what song's going to really um, kick it off for you guys with our label. And then since then, just developed a really good connection with the guys because I think while we already had quite a lot of tunes they could see we just don't stop 
like our schedule that we put on ourselves is, and as we explained to you before we started the um, the interview, it is full on. Like this is a career for us, but this is 100% a passion, and neither Tom or I know how to turn off. Yeah. Um, so they saw that drive and dedication, and I think that's something um, for other like producers looking to, to become part of a label is you pretty much, if you've already done the work and they've seen how your process is and and how quickly you write songs or you, at least how confidently you deliver content, um, that's going to be something that catches a label's eye and goes, okay, well, these guys are dedicated. They might need a bit of fine-tuning. Definitely just consistency. Yeah, but delivery, delivery, delivery is definitely something that for us in our situation um, got us a really cool opportunity. And what has it been like having such amazing producers and people who know the genre back to front in your corner trying to refine and curate your sound to take it to that next level? I think Brendan being the kind of magician he is, obviously from Future Bound and Matrix of Future Bound and what they've done over the years and being kind of pioneers in the drum bass scene, especially dance sport. So I think having that, this kind of don of drum and bass, almost having insight to years of how it's formed and little answers of like how things to tweak that will kind of like finish it off because there's so much in drum bass and in, I guess in any any genre especially when you get to the more complex ones production where there's just like there's just little details that you just wouldn't think about that it's almost like until either you figure it out eventually or someone tells you you're like oh just just try layering these things on or you just need to boost this bit and something you're like oh now answers the question of trying to recreate this sound I've been trying to do for years or whatever. Having Future Bound, like the label in general, Future Bound and Asad, curating the music, and James as well helped a lot with that. Just going through and picking like, these are the ones that stand out. And sometimes they weren't uh, to what we expected, like we had our favourite ones. Yeah, we're like, oh. You kind of you have to take your ego out of it a bit and accept like, now these guys know what they're doing. Like, yeah. we, we love the artists that they brought up and that they sort of come from Viper and even like, Future Band himself, and so it's very much just putting trust in their thoughts behind it and what they think would be best, and then just letting that kind of guide what comes up next, and then using Future Band to bounce off of to just get the tracks to that kind of final stage. Well, the final stages are where you're at for your European tour, and you are on the eve of your very first European adventure. For anyone debating as to whether they should come and see VOE or not, can you tell us what they can expect if they see you live on stage during the tour? We were planning on doing this about three years ago, right before um, COVID hit. Um, So we sort of took that time with our heads down, bum up, work, grind away so that we would be in a position to absolutely slingshot into Europe when we had the opportunity. (laughs) Um, I think for us, like being able to perform over there is, well, it's not just perform, but like meet all of the artists that we've been wanting to work with for so long. Like having that face-to-face interaction has been something that's really different, especially when we toured New Zealand recently, um, when we did Audiology and all the festival runs for their summer. Um, it is incredible just meeting other people and being backstage and, and seeing how they all structure their sets and how they tour, um, just seeing how people behave like behind the scenes. Everyone is just super lovely yeah. that we've come across. So we want to keep, like, make sure that that's what we're portraying or that's what we're being like when we're over there, um, being just grateful and you know, excited. Um, we definitely, we want to up our game a little more with 
obviously performing at Rampage and Let It Roll. And the best part about all of this is obviously we intended to go overseas, but this was all kicked off because we got an inbox from Murdoch um, saying, hey, are you going to be in Europe around uh, summer UK this time? And I'm like, oh, yeah, why's that? <laughs> I was like, oh, we've got a little time. And then he was like, oh, yeah, if you're coming over here, we want to put you on Rampage. So to be reached out to by Murdoch personally to see if we're even coming was crazy. And that yeah. just set everything set rolling. Yeah. Oh, damn. All right. This is a real thing now. Like Before, we were, we were going to make it happen as best as we could, no matter what. But having that as the first well, all the touring aside, I'm sure that there is plenty more for us to look forward to. Can you tell us what you have lined up in the not-too-distant future for VOE? When we started on Viper, we had about 30 tra- 35 tracks. It's only grown since then, and I don't think any label could be expected to keep up with the amount we keep producing new tracks. So I think our, our biggest thing is just getting more music out there whether we can work towards an, an album. Like, we've got some new stuff coming already in the works that will be released over the time while we're in Europe, so that's all really exciting. Yeah, we've got another single, and then the EP will drop. So I think you're probably the first person we're telling. Yeah. <laughs> our biggest goal in all of this is we just want to keep getting our music out there. and Absolutely. Another thing... the whole thing. It sounds like there is plenty to look forward to from the two of you. Thank you for joining us here on the Base Bin Podcast and all the best for your first European adventure. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. The European summer has never sounded so good. That was VOE. If you haven't already, hit them up on all the usual socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't know if they have TikTok, but that doesn't really matter. Thank you for joining us here for another short episode of the Base Bin Podcast. And as always, watch your Base Bins.